You're listening to The Broken Meeple Show, a podcast that speaks passionately about board games for the benefit of those who play them. My name's Luke Hector, best known for The Broken Meeple YouTube channel, and I'm an everyday gamer just like you. And I'll be talking about reviews, top tens, and just about anything that connects me to board games. As long as I have a tea or coffee in hand, that is. So grab a cup, relax, and enjoy. And remember, it's only a game. Hey everyone, this is Luke from The Broken Meeple on another podcast episode. Yes, I've got some interesting stuff for you today, but um, it's not going to be the longest episode, I hope, mainly because I am so tired, so absolutely tired. I have been recording non-stop practically, apart from a, a friend's barbecue to go to, and you know, certainly a few drinks, but... I've been doing a lot of recording lately. I mean, tons. And you've got some good content to look forward to on the channel. Believe me, you're going to have some nice stuff coming. Today's episode, I have got my coffee. Got my coffee, some more decaf. Although, this one's a bit of a weird one because it's it's from my usual, I think it's like Origin Coffee or whatever that I get a subscription to. But they didn't write down what type of coffee it was on the bag. It just said Swiss water decaf. It's like, well, that means I'm, for all I know, this is arsenic coffee. I have no idea what's in it. I just know that it's decaf coffee. I drink it. I like it. Yeah, I know. Some of you don't like decaf, but I need to keep my caffeine down. So, mm. lally. So it does me just fine. But yeah, I've been pretty hard at work. The last few days have been just lots of stuff to review, lots of stuff to record, but lots of goodies, lots of goodies in the post and lots of stuff that I need to get played. So before I get into the main crux of this episode, let me show you the kind of things that I've actually got. So let's change the, let's see, let's change the screen here a bit so I can just literally use my, let's say large cam. Is there a large cam one? No, there isn't. Oh, well, you just have to <clears throat> make do with it. But yes. So all the things I've got. Well, as I mentioned, I already had Detective Season 1, so this is now reviewed, and a review of that is going to come on the 1st of September as promised, because I wanted to get it done literally for the time when the embargo lifts, because it's getting released later in September, so you've got a full review for that one coming. Uh, I recently got Imperial Settlers Rise of the Empire, now will I get time to review it? I don't know. This one I just purchased out of my own pocket, and... I just, you know, hopefully I'll get a chance to you know, really give it the beans and give it a review, but it might be a while, so don't expect this one to be anytime right soon, but I'm looking forward to getting my Imperial Settlers off the shelf and, you know, getting that expanded with it. You'll also see a review coming out very soon, probably shortly after Detective Season 1, of Small World of Warcraft. So I have got the newest version from Days of Wonder. This is basically Small World with a uh, World of Warcraft theme semi-pasted on it. It does work in some respects and probably it's a bit more applicable to this whole small world format than, you know, than anything else. But it's still, you know, what you kind of remember from small world, but it's got a few little nice extras in it, you know, a team mode and some uh, relics and stuff you can grab. So there's a few little neat tweaks and you'll be getting a review of that very soon because I think it's only just releasing this week. So I kind of want to get the review out in time for you guys before you start like rushing for it. And also, I have not done any recordings for this one, but I have managed to give enough plays to Alabari and Nice Cup of Tea. So this one has been getting played at my club lately, and, you know, I've been enjoying it. I've got some thoughts on it. I think I probably just need to get the solo mode a few plays, and then I should be ready to give this one a review. But again, don't rush for this one, because it's been out for a while. It, I had this before lockdown, and lockdown basically put pay to any chance I had to play it other than solo. So it's got, right, okay, I think I'll uh, leave it in the shrink wrap for a bit. But I finally got it out, finally started playing it, and... Uh, I suppose semi-spoiler alert, I do enjoy it. I think it's pretty decent. I don't think it's the, like, bee's knees, and I wasn't the biggest, like, Snowdonia fanboy either. But, I mean, I think this is pretty good, and I'll still hang on to it for a bit. So, we'll see how I feel after a few solo plays. Maybe the solo play will, like, you know, make it even better for me, shall we say. But, oh, the big one. The big one. Oh, look at this. This is going to be hard to lift. It's going to be hard to lift. Oh, my word. Too Many Bones. Yes, Chip Fury Games have finally sent me Too Many Bones. After constantly saying that I have yet to play this game, that I've wanted to try it, you know, see what it's like, finally I have a copy of it. And not just Too Many Bones, I've also got, they sent me a leather dice tray, which I didn't desperately need, but it was nice. 
and also a couple of gear locks. Um, extra characters from a choice, so I chose Gillian Nugget, and I've got these. I have no idea how to play this game at all. All I have done is watch reviews, which all basically say the same thing. They all seem to love the game, but they think it has too many rules, a lot of text to read, but they love the enjoyment of the dice and the game itself, but it's got a leap, steep learning curve, so we'll find out. But hopefully today, if not tomorrow, I will be digging this out. I've already unboxed it, I've unwrapped it and all that, and I should be giving it a proper like going over, like really learn the system, really give it a go. I'm looking forward to it. I, you know, it's been, what was it, number two on my uh, top 10 games that escaped me list. So uh, finally it hasn't, it's not escaped me now. It's a case of, is it as good as I hoped it would be? We'll find out, I guess. Uh, what else? Uh, in terms of other content, you will also be pleased to know that I have finally started on the top 100. Yes, the top 100 list has been compiled. It is finished. It is put into my spreadsheet. Statistics are done for it. I know what games have fallen on and off. I know who my favorite, well, favorite. I know who the most popular designer is on there. I know who the most popular publisher is on there, etc. So I've got a full list. And I have also recorded the first 10. So 100 through to 91. So I did a poll as to what format people wanted it. And sadly, annoyingly, from my perspective, everybody, more the majority, at least half the votes, voted for 10 videos with editing effects. Now, I'm slightly skimping on that a bit. I will do 10 videos, but they're not all going to have full-on effects. I mean, I'm going to have to try and get through these reasonably quick. So I will talk about them. I will give overviews of the video as normal. But don't expect like a million effects apart from maybe one or two where I just think, oh, there's a good joke that could work there or, you know, it needs a bit more. But, you know, I'm going to try and make them shorter videos because I think they used to be something like half an hour each you know, or nearly three quarters of an hour each for some of them. And it's just like, well, I can't do 10 videos of that and edit them. It would just be a nightmare. So hopefully my new format of doing things where I jump cut and, you know, try and make my passages more sincere, a bit more succinct, especially my new editing style where I, I mean, yeah, it's a bit of a behind the scenes for you. Basically what I do is a little technique where I record the sentence I'm doing. I mean, I don't script anything. I still don't script. I have bullet point notes, but that's it. But what I do is that I talk and then I finish. And then if I'm happy with the sentence or paragraph that I've just pretty much said, I'll carry on and I will clap three times to show on the editing software where I want to cut the footage. If I don't like what I've just said, I feel it can be improved or I mess up or I get a blunder, then I just continue saying it again. I leave a gap and I just say it again. The idea being that as I'm cutting the footage, I look for where I've done the free claps and I go, that's the bit I want to keep. That's the segment I want to keep for my footage. And then it makes it a little bit easier to cut and paste all the footage that I do because you might record three quarters of an hour to an hour worth of footage, but still only use 20 minutes of it. It's just good to at least have a half decent cut at the end of the day. But yep, the first 10 have been done. I will continue updating those. And throughout September, I will start getting those out. But there's a treat. The At least the last two, maybe the last three or four, I don't know. We'll see what you guys think. But definitely at least the top 20 will be split into two videos. Top 10, top 20, well, 20 through 11 and 10 through 1 live stream. Yes, I will be doing probably 100 through to uh, 100 through to 21 as normal videos possibly i'll do a live stream for 30 to 21 i don't know um do you want me to do live stream for 50 through to 10 i mean that seems a little bit overkill but we'll see but i'm definitely going to do live stream for at least the last two so you will get to join me on those you'll get to guess what games are there as i explain them you'll get to give your thoughts i'll interact with you you can tell me what you think about the games you can try and guess what my positions are you know you, you should be a, a bit more involved in my top 100 this year so hopefully you people will enjoy that uh what else have i done uh i know there's other video content i've done um no, I can't think of anything specific. Oh, except for one thing. I'm going to release it today along with this podcast if I can get it edited. And that is a solo play. I've done a solo play. You'll notice if you've been watching my channel, you can check out the folded space video I did where I used an overhead camera from my smartphone and recorded the audio off that. It was good, but there was a slight problem. Doing the video at night meant I had to really sort out the lighting. It was a bit dark. So I've tried one during the day this morning, but... 
The other thing was that the audio from the smartphone is more sensitive, so it picks up a lot of the outside noise as well out through the window, and that can be problematic. So two videos were done by that. Two of them, I used my DSLR. In fact, can I reach it here? Come on, come here. Come here, thing. Yeah, so I've got a tripod, small tripod like this, and the DSLR is mounted to it. And basically, it can stand on my gaming table quite nicely, and I can, uh, you know, shift the legs. I can, you know, maneuver it like that. And basically, this allows me to do a frontal view of my face while I'm doing playthroughs or the folded space stuff. So I've tried this for the last two of them um, because last time I tried to use the webcam with the laptop, but the mobile phone was picking up the fan noise because. This is a very loud laptop. It's a bit of a problem. But then I tried using this, which means the shotgun mic is a backup audio source. So if I find that the audio from the speaker phone and my phone is not good enough, then I can use this instead. And that kind of works so far. Or put it down, put it down. There we go. Nice big heavy piece. But yeah, but what have I done? What are you on about solo play, Luke? I've done a solo play. Yes, I think I might have found a way to do solo plays. That same setup I just mentioned worked for a solo play that I did this morning because any MCU fan would have heard in the news or anybody would have heard in the news really because it's quite a big deal that uh, Chadwick Boseman, um, the guy who played Black Panther in the MCU movies, sadly passed away recently with uh, failing, sorry, losing the battle to colon cancer, age 43. I'm literally six and a bit years younger than him. That uh, puts your life in perspective. But you know, it's a sad loss, but what I did is that I tried to commemorate his, you know, sorry, yeah, wait a minute, no, I didn't record it this morning, no, yesterday morning I did it, and what I tried to do was do my first solo play of Marvel Champions, in fact, it's still set up on the table there from yesterday, and I take Black Panther solo against Ultron, and I managed to, well, oh, spoiler alert, all right, spoiler alert, I won, okay? I won the game, but it was sort of down to the wire. I mean, it was close to being like, oh, I could be in trouble here, but it was a good fun battle. Did I get a rule or two wrong? Who knows? You feel free to watch the video when it goes up, you know, give your thoughts and respects to Chad and yeah, see what I did. I mean, maybe I got a rule or two wrong, who knows? But at the end of the day, I enjoy it for fun. So I'm not trying to be like, the expert of the game and certainly from a tactical standpoint i'm not an expert at this game and i'm sure a lot of you marvel champion uh, experts will correct me on my tactical abilities or lack thereof but yeah that video should go up today as well because i want to get that out nice and soon yeah there's quite a bit of content coming i mean all those reviews coming uh obviously i want to do more i've got to keep this podcast going obviously the top 100 is a big deal obviously the uh uh, the Movers and the Shakers, that Citadel's one I did, was very popular with you guys. You enjoyed that, so that will continue as a series. Um, the Folded Space, I've obviously got to do three more of those, editing-wise. There's a lot to do, and i got to be careful that I don't hit burnout. You know, I'm a little bit tired, but Bank Holiday Weekend should help a bit with that because I've got a bit of time today and a bit of time tomorrow to do a lot of editing. So, you know, because a lot of these reviews need to come out soon, you know, I mean, Small World of Warcraft needs to come out very soon. Detective Season 1 must come out on the 1st, otherwise I'm going to miss the uh, the pinnacle period of it coming out. But then obviously people want to know about Pendulum, you know, oh yeah, that was the other one, yeah, I've done a video review for Pendulum, so I need to get that out at some point soon. There's a lot of games I've reviewed, it's a tiring process, and my voice is keeping so much, hence I don't want this podcast to be too long, but we're already up to 13 minutes, so we'll see how that goes. But yeah, so good stuff to come. So what's the deal with this episode? Well, first off, I want to give a little review because I'm not going to do a video for these. I'm going to literally just do a like talk about it now of a deckscape deckscape. So this is yeah, these are two. Well, deckscape is a type of escape room game. So with this one, you essentially have a small deck. And I've got the deck here, like for the other one that I've got. So Heist in Venice and Mystery of El Dorado. This basically has you going through a deck of cards as an escape room style game. So you know the deal with, uh, you know, solve puzzles and riddles. And sadly, you don't get much in the way of pictures on Board Game Geek for this. But uh, it's essentially start at the start of the top card, work your way through. The game instructs you on how you you know, go through the cards, what decks to separate out, what items you can get, gives you the puzzles. You can get little items to help. And you basically just follow the game through until you reach its conclusion, depending on how long that takes you. I've played both of these. And basically what they are is that they're very portable. As you can see, you know, very portable indeed. 
and they take about an hour a piece. That's roughly the time you're spending, about an hour, maybe even less if you're doing it solo, but yeah, they don't take too long. It can go from one to six players, but one to six players you don't really need to do. I mean, this one is literally a case of, do I really need that much to many players? No, I mean, two or three of you, I think, could have a good time with this, but I think four to six is just way too much. I can't see this being one that I would have four to six people get around just to look at a few cards, because it's not like you get a lot in here. I mean, look at it. It's pretty small. It's a pretty small box. And But I've played both, and I gotta say, they're, they're fine, but I think I'm the wrong audience for it, because I do like escape rooms. I do like escape room games, but most of my decent escape room games I've liked have been... I like the exit games. They're quite challenging, and, you know, 10 quid, chuck them away, they're good. Uh, I liked Unlock for a bit. I haven't played any Unlocks recently, but I did play, I think, like the first four sets of it. And recently, um, if you check out my review, I did uh, the Escape Tales, the Awakening. And I think those are very good. You know, that one and the... Oh, what do you call it? The... Uh, it's a futuristic one or something, but you know those two are pretty cool, and they got a bit more story. The Awakening is very dark and gritty, multiple endings, dark endings, and the puzzles were the right level. So, so far, Escape Tales has been my favourite of the set. This one is okay. I mean, I gave uh, Heist in Venice about a six. El Dorado only gave a five out of ten. I think I think they're average and above average. But I don't think they're amazing because I even played the first Deckscape, Test of Time or whatever it's called. And I thought that was about a six, you know, that they don't want me because the problem I have with them is that the puzzles just range from dumb and dumber to what on earth. You know, you do get some puzzles that are just a bit like weird in there, but you get like you might have a puzzle. that's like, right, fold this over and you can see and you can follow the maze and you can pinpoint this and turn this on its axes and you'll find it's like whoa it's like quite a bit in there but then you also get cards that show up and it says which one of these things should you cross bridge a or bridge b way and literally you just look at the picture and just go well that one clearly because look at it it's you know it it's almost like seriously don't insult our intelligence we can do these little ones and it's not like you had to think hard i mean literally it shows you in the picture which one to do it's just an observation puzzle and it's like well i don't want to just have easy easy observation puzzles i want proper escape room style puzzles give me what the exit games do and then on top of that it tries to have a story but the stories just aren't that interesting in these i mean uh, el dorado is literally you go exploring and you're trying to find treasures in some tomb or whatever i think your plane gets shot down and you try to make your way through the wilderness get to the temple get the stuff inside it and obviously there's puzzles and tribesmen and stuff you got to deal with it's an okay story, but it's not exactly that particularly interesting. It's basically just your Indiana Jones slash Tomb Raider one. And I found some of the puzzles in here were just a little bit odd, especially, like I say, some of those, like, you know, how dumb do you think I am type puzzles. So I was a little bit, like, not as big a fan. And then you get to certain puzzles near the end, and it's just like, how are you supposed to work that out? I don't know. But then Heist in Venice was a little bit better, because this one basically had you unwillingly doing a big heist. And it gets you into the heist, it gets you into a casino, you've got to do things, you know, win on tables, solve these other puzzles, get to the vault, do this, get out of the building, and there's some cool puzzles in this one. I thought Heist in Venice was a better one for puzzles, even though it still had one or two of these ones where it's like, this isn't a puzzle. Like, I mean, I don't want to spoil too much, but there's one where pretty much you just have to count lines. Really? That's not a hard thing to do, just to count lines. How's that a puzzle? So it really was a little bit like in places. But the other thing with Heist I didn't like, and this was, I mean, I, I think the puzzles and the story is better in Heist, hence I give that one a six. But one thing that really nearly hurt it back down to a five was there's a memory aspect to it. You read this plan before you go in for the Heist, and it's got a bunch of clues that are useful to you and, you know, things that you can do. But the problem is, is that you have to remember this by yourself on a solo play. Because the idea is, is that if you remember that the plan says this, you'll know how to do this puzzle later, or you'll know that this is relevant. That's fine when you've got six of you remembering it, because you can all remember different aspects. Try and remember it by yourself with your own one brain. Have fun with that. It's, you need a, a, a collective memory, a photographic memory, to be able to remember this entire plan all the way through for all the clues that are on it. 
So it basically, the game is hurting you for playing this solo as opposed to mass players, which is a little bit cheeky in my book. But you get hints for a lot of the cards. I mean, you can use as many clues as you like. They're basically mirror reversed. You know, you can choose not to have the clues if you want a harder game. Personally, I think if you get stuck, use a clue. But to be honest, some of the clues are kind of obvious anyway. It's like, you know, look at the whatever on the side of the cards. Like, oh, duh, you think? Yeah, I know that. But what do I do with it? So there's a few bits like that. But all in all, these are fine. They're cheap. They're portable. But what I think these are best for is the younger audience or very newcomers to, very new people to escape room games. If you've never played an escape room game before, or you've got kids that you want to include in it, like younger players who like, I want to get you into some puzzles, then these can be good. I recommend Deckscape for those sort of purposes. And maybe then once they're comfortable with those, progress them up to something like Unlock, Exit, and the Escape Tales ones. But for me, I just found that they weren't that complex. They weren't that difficult. I mean, one or two puzzles were a little bit like, Oh, yeah, it takes a bit more thinking, but even then, not to a drastic extent, I'm done within the hour, you know, in much shorter time even, and that's me going at a slowish pace. So it, it they're fine, but I think they're more entry level. I think they're better for younger people, maybe families to do escape rooms or to take on holiday with you because you can literally just play it. And obviously, once you played it once, that's it, you're done. So you could always just give this to your local game cafe, which I'll probably do with mine or sell them off for a tenner, you know, it's still worth it. So yeah, they're cheap, they're cheerful, but they're not wowing me. So I'd say, on average, even though I didn't like the El Dorado one a lot, I think 6 out of 10 is probably relevant for these. All right. So as I've shown on the web browser there, we've got El Dorado, and I mentioned uh, Heist in Venice. I wonder if there's any more images for this one that I can do without spoilers. Not really, because obviously you don't want spoilers, but basically... Ah, here's something that's not really a spoiler. You get characters in it. So you get to use characters and they give you help for various clues. And ah, it's in a different language. Good. So this isn't really uh, like spoiling much. But with these characters, you get to do various you know, things with them. Like, oh, this character knows a bit about how to do this puzzle, etc. So let's say the heist is better. But I still don't think these Deckscape games are all that, shall we say. Right. And uh, let's have a little sip of coffee. Lally, a bit more, although it's getting a bit cold. Right, so to finish up this episode, I want to talk about two games that I have played recently um, from the UK Games Expo. Now, I have to admit, I don't get very excited about virtual conventions anymore. I like a virtual convention like the GridCon one where you just meet up and play games. That's fine, but... These ones like the Gen Con one and the Expo one, virtually Expo they called it, where they just put on a bunch of exhibitor videos and a weird online shopping mall or something, and... I'm not as big a fan of them. I just did not get excited for Virtually Expo this year. I, you know, I was much more excited to go to the convention because I want the atmosphere. I want to be able to say, yay, I get to go to this place and, you know, see people, meet people, talk to people, see the game in person, not on a video, talk to people, you know, not just, end, not just engage in a live stream. It's not the same. So I wasn't really thinking of doing anything for Virtually Expo, but then I got contacted by Czech Game Editions, who said, you know, do you want to help out with a couple of streams on um, Paul Grogan's Gaming Rules channel? So it's like, oh, yeah, you know, because, uh, you know, fair play to Paul, lovely bloke, but he never asked me to go on his streams. I don't know why, but uh, how dare you, Paul? <laughs> but yeah, so I thought, yeah, great. I get to actually go on a couple of his games finally. Sweet. And these were for two games that I've never played. They're both from Czech Game Edition, CGE, and one was Under Falling Skies, and the other one was Lost uh, Ruins of Arnak, or Lost City of Arnak. And I went on the two streams. He did multiple streams for each game, basically usual format. Paul teaches it, we play, we're on Tabletop Simulator uh, for Lost Ruins and for Under Falling Skies. He just has a camera on his table because it's a solo game. But I just want to talk about my experiences with both games and see what I think of them on first impressions. And uh, we're going to start off with, I think, Under Falling Skies. So let's bring that up on the screen. So this one, <clears throat> Check Game Editions, Under Falling Skies. So there's no sound on this, so don't worry, you're not going to hear anything going on there but and to be honest you're not going to see much in the way of movement but we're on the stream and also i would i would say go watch one or two of these streams find out more about these games but if you want to know if you want to watch the ones where i'm specifically in them don't ask me why you would but fair enough then look for under falling skies tutorial and playthrough for virtually expo game four okay that's the specific one that i was in 
and we'll go on to Arnak later. But this is the one where myself and Andy Lewis from Polyhedron Collider team up and to beat this down. And as you can see, it's kind of like a... Uh, it's kind of like a Space Invaders type game. It's like Space Invaders mixed with Independence Day. So we have our dice at the bottom where we get to, you know, dice placement spots where it's, it's basically a dice placement solo game. We've got this air map of the air, which is above our base, which we chose Roswell because, well, why not? We were basically doing Independence Day quotes. And there's the mothership up there. And the idea is, is that turn by turn, this mothership creeps down and these spaceships come down almost like Space Invaders style. And they come to bomb your base. Now, you only have so much health that the base can take. If it takes too much damage, you lose. If the mothership gets all the way down to the bottom, you lose. So it's kind of like that, you know, all these things. And you, what you do is that you have to get your research all the way to the top of this track. By researching, you get to research how to stop the aliens, and then you basically stop them. It's a bit anticlimactic, but whatever. And to do this, you have to use these locations. You place dice in the locations to generate power, to do research, to shoot down alien spaceships, and to move this little excavator token through the base because at the start, you haven't uncovered all your base. So you have to spend dice in order to move the excavator to uncover better locations, which will allow you to progress through the game. It's pretty cool. And although, gotta admit, it's like, the thematicness of this is a little weird because it's like you're getting bombed to you know head on back from this mothership and yet you've got time for the excavator to go through and suddenly uncover all these other rooms that are all ready for you to do stuff it's a little bit odd on the theme perspective but you know that aside the theme is still pretty well represented by the fact that you are all oh, the spaceships are coming down and we got to beat them back and it's a really nice little thinky solo game because the idea is, is that you must place your dice in each of the columns. So one, two, three, four, five. But when you put the dice in the column, it does whatever the value needs to do for shootings down stuff and that. So if it's research, the green ones, you generate research points. But each level of the research track has a different requirement. So you've got to be able to equal or exceed that. Generating power generates power because you can't use most of these rooms without power so you've got to generate that but the early rooms have got like negative modifiers to the dice so you need to put higher dice on them whereas the later rooms you can generate more or put more dice in the room so say this top research room costs two power and you can only put one dice in it but if you get all the way to the bottom it still only costs two power but you can put three dice in it and combine them all for one big research term but on top of that, you've also got the red rooms, which shoot down spaceships. And that works from this. And yes, I think uh, this is, in fact, I'll scroll back a little bit so you can excuse. Basically, on the board with the mothership, when you put a die down, the spaceship in that column moves down that many spaces. And you can flip these boards over for varying levels of difficulty. And the idea is, is that when these spaceships move down, you're hoping that you can land them on these little explosion spaces with the number next to them. These are like the battling ones. What happens is that if a spaceship is on one of those spaces, then if you've got a die in a red room like we're just about to do here, we've just put a four in that room and we've moved the spaceships down. Um, bear in mind, this is a prototype -y version, so it's sort of final art, but some components need a little upgrade. And... It means that we can shoot down, and because we combined it with a five, because this is a double room, we've got a fighting value of nine. And uh, and what we do with this is that we have nine attack power, which means basically any of these spaces with an explosion we can do, because they're usually up to a value of six, maybe seven and that. So we can take down any ship we like. So then you resolve all the rooms after you've placed your die in order... And the way we're doing it here is that we're generating some power. We're sorting things out. Uh, yep, there we go. And now we're spending power. And now because these ships are sitting on those explosion spaces, I, who are basically taking control of the guns, are shooting down next to every ship. I mean, look at me. I just wiped out pretty much all but one ship in that range there. I mean, I was brilliant on the guns. What did I get Andy to do? I got him to basically sit on the excavator and dig. So he did a job. He got... Uh, you know, he caused a couple of collapses, but otherwise he was uh, fine with that. But no, we were a pretty well-oiled team. We did well. We, you know, we used the dice to the fullest and we kept the thing at bay. But it's a really nice little game because the mothership is creeping down. You're getting negative effects. You've got to keep up the excavation, but then you've got to not forget about research because I started the game shooting down lots of ships. And I was making like ridiculous quotes like, you know, you can see, I don't know if you can see it on OBS. You probably can't see it in detail, but 
there's me in the live chat saying, uh, or as the good reverend will say, why we're on this particular mission, we'll never know. But I do know here today that the Black Knights will emerge victorious once again. And if anybody remembers Independence Day, it's that cheesy line that the... Uh, the wingman who's basically just there to die, you know, ends up saying. So I, I was making Independence Day quotes. And I spend most of the time with the mothership shooting. But, you know, eventually I've got to start researching. So, you know, a little bit further on, the ships are coming down, they're getting a bit more aggressive. And, you know, eventually we start researching. But then eventually we power through the research. We take a couple of hits to the base, which was annoying because I kept saying I was going to have a clean sheet, but uh, sadly not the case. And we managed to do it. So I, I forget where we got to. Uh, I think, where do we get to? Where's that last bit of research? I think at the end, we're just talking about, yeah, here we go. So at the end, we're just talking about the different difficulties, how much the game's going to be, what our thoughts were. So we give our first impressions. And overall, but as you can see, we're just about to win the game after taking a few hits, sacrificed a bit of damage to the base, but enough to get us through that research track. And yeah, I, mean, I think this is a really cool solo game. I think, you know, you could play this as a two-player, as a team co-op easily enough. You know, you've got to discuss with each other and you do it, but it doesn't take up much table space. As you can see, he's literally just doing this on his table, you know, Jaffacate there for scale. And the game's going to be around the 25 to 30 pound mark, I suspect. And that may seem expensive, but you get... I think I think we used three bases and you've got like the different boards above that you can flip for different difficulties. But I think they're going to put something like 20 bases in there or a lot of bases. You know, there's a lot of different starting bases you can have. And all the bases have got different um, setups for the rooms. So some, you know, they've got different layouts, different power requirements, different number of rooms. Some allow you to build robots, which are like drones that can let you work on rooms. It's really cool. And it's, I thought it was a really solid game. I had a good time with Andy playing this. I thought it was a fun stream. And I'm looking forward to this. So, you know, I'll look forward to hopefully getting a review copy of that uh, later on in the year. It's supposed to be late 2020. And I thought it was good. I think you should keep an eye out on this one. If you are a solo game fan, yeah, Paul gets to eat the Jaffa Gate and I don't. I, I find that a little bit harsh. You know, I'm the one who shot down all the ships. <laughs> all he had to do was just sit there and watch and roll dice. Come on, it's not fair. Whereas my Jaffa Gate, eh? But yeah, really good little solo game. So that's that one. So let's move on to the next one I want to talk about, which is Lost Ruins of Arnak. And I knew nothing about this game going in. I thought, like, what? So we explore an island and find resources to discover lost ruins. Okay, this sounds like a cool thematic game. I don't recognize the designer, you know, Elwin Min. Uh, but check game editions. Do some pretty good thematic stuff now and again. But it has been a while since I've really gone mad for a check game edition game. You know, it's a CGE game. It's been a while because I don't have many on my shelf. In fact, do I have a single check game edition game on my shelf? Oh, yes, I have Pulsar 2849. And that's it. Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, I got through the ages on the app, but yeah, a lot of the other games I kind of like but don't go mad for. Obviously, everyone goes mad for Mage Knight. I can't stand it. So I've been waiting for CGE to come out on their own. So I thought I'd jump into this one. So if you want to find out more about uh, this particular game, then go find uh, Gaming Rule, Paul Grogan's video, Lost Ruins of Arnak, tutorial and playthrough for Virtually Expo Game 2. Find that one. That's the one where myself and Fiona from the Game Shelf do a two-player head-to-head being taught by Paul how to do Lost Ruins of Arnak. So what's this one? Well, this is a worker placement game where you... It's kind of a bit of mix. It's a mix of worker placement and deck building. You are explorers. You're setting up an expedition and you are going to find the lost, the ruins of Arnak. But you start off at the back. So you've got to you know, start off at the early tiers and then move your way up. You can also advance up a, a research track and you know, get bonuses. And obviously, you know, you're learning, you're doing stuff. But all the while, you can also buy these cards to go into your little mini deck which let's see if i can find the somewhere on my player board so because we're scrolling around a bit here we go so on your player board you've got this small deck and it's literally only i think about six cards or something at the start it's like pretty small and you've got some tokens you've got to collect you've got uh, companions that you can get that give you special bonuses if you research far enough and the idea is, is that you can buy more cards and add to your deck but there's some really cool aspects to there because that sounds pretty generic it's like all oh, right we've seen this all before but hear me out on this one. 
And yes, Farmer Giles is my uh, Discord name. And yes, I have a cuddly, look at that cuddly bear. It's my avatar. Look at this. Oh, it's a cuddly little bear. He just wants to give you a hug. I love bears. Um, but yeah, so you've got all this stuff and you play the cards in order to generate the various resources that you need. So compass, gold, tablets, uh, arrowheads, rubies. And you play the cards, trigger their cool effects. They've got icons on them for traveling. So you need like airplanes and jeeps and that. So they're multi-use cards. So they've got multiple uses, which I really like. But one cool twist I really liked with this. And I mean, generally it's like you've got two workers, you put them out, you get resources. You've got a book and a magnifying glass on the research track. You spend resources to level them up, getting bonuses along the way. So you've got to try and be efficient and create combos, which is really cool. The theme is strong. You into Tomb Raider or Indiana Jones or any of that kind of thing, this is definitely one for you. I mean, we were making references all the time. There's, you know, like that belongs in a museum and various other bits. And, you know, Fiona's having a good time. I'm just getting sucked into the theme and just making jokes. I mean, I was enjoying this one. And, you know, you can see me in the chat having a good laugh because I do like to interact with even Paul Grogan's chat. I hope he doesn't mind me doing that. But there were some pretty funny moments. But first of all, let me just talk about this twist I was on about with the cards. All right, well, I'll try and explain while I'm trying to find it. Basically, the cards at the top, um, the tableau where you buy them from, they are split into two types. You've got the items and you've got the artifact cards. You notice there's some blue and there's some beige ones up there. But the idea is, is that as the game goes through, you only play, I think, five rounds. And as the rounds progress the round marker moves and the way that the tableau refills up is that the left hand side fills up with artifact cards so here we go right oh god get rid of that bow thing here we go yeah so this marker here dictates the round marker so we're in round five at this point so all the cards to the left are these artifact cards that all cost compasses they give you victory points so you could literally spend most of the game just buying a ton of cards for points and they give you cool effects, but if you want to trigger them again, you have to pay artifacts to pay the cost for them when they come out of your deck, but they're pretty cool effects. And they usually have good travel symbols. But anything to the right of the marker is items. So when you start the game, you have a lot of items, but not many artifacts. But as you progress through the game, it reverses so that you get more artifacts and less items. They're all both useful though, but the requirements change and you've got to adapt. I just found that really cool. But on top of that, you've, you notice here there is a guardian at this place. Uh, the idea being that when you go and inspect these various sites, you get some cool bonuses but and unlock you know another worker space, but you have to deal with a guardian at that location. And when your worker is there, if you don't deal with the guardian, then you take fear cards, which are negative VP cards that go in your deck. But if you have the resources and the cards to deal with the guardian, you can get some more victory points. So you could literally make half your game just go out and hunt guardians, which would be pretty cool. And... It's just really good. I mean, the artwork on these is really nice. It's really nice, colorful artwork. And in fact, a lot of these pictures of the various sites, Paul says, are actually the reason for it. So whether they are from history or whether they tell a story, I don't know. But uh, apparently we'll find out more when the game is released. So we'll see on that. And as you can see on the track here, you get to the very top of the research track. You can unlock even more bonuses. You get these little artifact pieces here, which can go on your player board to give you like a kind of like a temporary bonus. So you put them on these little spots here and you can do that. You can either get more points by not putting them on the spots or you do that. So there's a lot of cool little bits and bit, bits and pieces in this game, but I just found it so thematic for what it was. You know, something with the deck building managed to be thematic, but I love the way that you had multiple ways to play it. Do you go out and inspect all the sites to get points and stuff? Cool. Do you go mad on the research and try and up to the max on those tracks? Great. You've only got five rounds. You can't do everything. Uh, do you build your deck to be like a trimmed down version of a deck that you can do all the time? Or do you, because you can trash cards to an extent in this. Or do you build up a deck full of high point cards and just try and draw it all out each time? But I was loving the theme of this. I mean, I was, Fyoda was mainly trying to gear up for research and the various uh, sites. So I had a good time with that. But the and that was fine. It was working for her, actually. And I thought she was going to actually cakewalk me. I thought, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to lose this, Mike Matt. Um, I think when we got to the end of the game, I think I literally won by a point. No, no, I didn't win. No, 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 I didn't win. Um, we drew. We drew. I got 
exactly the same score as her and we just settled on the tie we didn't even care about tiebreakers because i don't care about tiebreakers if you draw you draw it was like good game shake hand but i thought i was gonna get wasted i thought oh my god you've got all those points for research and all that how am i gonna do this turned out that the points i was getting was from killing more guardians but also from my deck having a lot of decent cards in it whereas you know verna wasn't building up her deck that much she was relying on um good research bonuses and the sites to get her stuff whereas you know efficiency from there whereas i was trying to build a deck that was like a well-oiled machine and that's where i was getting my points from and we managed to equal on points doing very different strategies and i found that really good as an end result but the funny bit i just want to mention here i mean where did this happen because this is an embarrassing situation uh the guardians that set up um this one over here she got fire ants at one and i was joking like oh fire ants come on oh your kingdom of the crystal scully now how dare you but the thing with this was that there was a I'll see if I play it from here, is that the site, when you get the Guardian, the, I think the Guardian appears a little bit later, but when you get there, the tabletop simulator we were playing, because it was a, like, prototype-ish setup, uh, for me, there was a three-second delay on the picture showing up, so it appears all blocky from my perspective, whereas for everybody else, I think it was a bit more instant, and we were saying, like, right, I'm going to get you know, we're going to get a nasty critter here. And I was like, uh, you know, please don't be a spider. Please don't be a spider. Please don't be a spider. Because I'm, you know, I'm arachnophobic. I don't like it. And the funny thing was, is that I went to the site. I wonder if I can find the actual bit. Because it was quite hilarious. Because uh, I literally brought it on me. I brought it on myself. <laughs> so that was the, um, the Simpsons guy. So I, was like, oh, I did this to myself. <laughs> so here we go. So... I go to a site and there's my site. So I've just gone here and we zoom in and all's good. So it's like, oh, I get a compass and an arrow ahead as a bonus. Happy days. But then I have to fight the guardian and I'm constantly saying like, no spider, no spider, no spider. But then he puts the guardian out and bear in mind, I get the blocky thing. Here's his, yeah, I get the legs and then boom, king of the spiders. It's like king of the spiders appears. It's like, and he's laughing there and I'm like, ah, it's like, no, I don't want that thing. And so... It just like it was hilarious because I basically just sort of went no spider, no spider, no spider, and somebody in the chat said he summoned it like Beetlejuice, and it's like yeah, I pretty much did the whole Beetlejuice thing of like you know no spider, no spider, no spider, but yeah, spider. It's like oh, I hated it. <laughs> Didn't like the picture. I felt like ugh. So I made it my mission to kill it that turn. It was like I am killing the spider. It's going down. I'm getting the points. How am I going to do it? with my trusty wrist watch, uh, my fishing rod, and oh, it has, <laughs> I managed to kill it, but I was joking around that Fiona was getting stuff that was useful for an expedition, like a shovel, a, a trowel, and stuff like that, they had cool abilities, and binoculars, she's just about to play them here, which I found a bit amusing, because basically she can look at a site that she's not at, and get the bonuses so i joke for the fact that it's like uh hang on a minute so you're looking over seeing this massive spider with me getting mullered by it and you're not helping you're just literally looking well i'm so pleased for your help fiona thank you but oh good laughs but the thing is with my deck i was buying all the weird stuff and joking about how useful it would be i mean i it'll probably take me too long to find specific i mean i bought an airplane that's pretty useful, surely. But there was just some weird times. You might have even seen one earlier where I bought a fishing rod. <laughs> so I bought a fishing rod because it's like, well, while I'm out on the expeditions, I need something to entertain myself with. So I basically kitted myself out as the rich, the rich explorer who gets other people to do the work for him while he sits back in the lap of luxury and does nothing. So the first thing I buy is like an expensive wristwatch that gets you a lot of money in the turn. But this was like... Can't go around, can't, you know, can't do a good job without flashing your watch around the place. And then uh, I got like a fishing rod so I could do fishing because apparently that was needed. Uh, my my assistant there has a little pug dog. <laughs> so, so I was like, oh, what kind of, oh, there's my fishing rod there. Yeah, so I played the fishing rod. It's got a cool ability, but I'm like buying the weirdest tools for any expedition force and just joking about it. I had such a blast with this game. I could just get immersed in the theme, act like a child half the time and just really go at it. And the fact that we finished on a draw is just crazy. But by the end, I had so many cards. I mean, this is just what I played in a turn. All these artifacts and everything, and that's where I got my points from. It, it was just really, really, really good. I loved it. Loved it. This game was excellent. I mean, 
if I was to give ratings for both, I think both of them are easily deserving of a 9 out of 10 on first impressions. It's possible they could go up to a 10 with more plays, but or even go down, who knows. But certainly my first impressions of both these games are very positive. So check out Game 2 for Arnak and Game 4 for Underfalling Skies. You want to find out more about this game, uh, both these games, and catch me being an idiot on some of them. So, you know, I... Yeah, Paul Grogan will no doubt appreciate the uh, the extra coverage. Uh, I won't get royalties for this, don't worry. Um, but you know, hopefully he'll appreciate it. And you know, if you show support by showing by looking at his two videos, leave a comment. You know, say like you know, Luke showed me this on his podcast, and I wanted to view it for myself. You know, say hi. Maybe he'll get me on more of his streams. You know, so we'll try and coax him into it and find a way. But yeah, this was really good. I cannot wait for this game to come out fully and again i think that's the end of this year and that's one thing i will say about cge cge have previously not you know gone mad for me um, no that's the wrong phrase uh i've not been mad on a lot of cge games lately they've come out with stuff and i've been like yeah that's fine letter jam yeah that's fine this one yeah that's fine but i've never been wowed as much apart from pulsar 2849 and that one shouldn't even wow me you know it's weird but these two wow these are two fantastic games. And it's not because, oh, we I drew in one and we won the other. No, I highly enjoy playing these. Now, maybe there's an element of I'm on a stream, I'm with friends and having a good time and just being a you know a bit of a bit of an idiot. You know, maybe that played into it. So, you know, these are first impressions. But I think these two games are going to be really solid. This could be the year for CGE. I'm not joking with this. Yeah, I've waited a long time for CGE and a few other publishers to come on, you know, pull it out of the bag, get your act together, really give us games that we're going to talk about for ages. And for a while, I don't think CGE has been doing that. But these two games, they could be some of the best, you know, considering 2020 has barely released anything of any good at the moment. You know, 2020 has been one of the worst years for board gaming at the moment. Granted, a lot of that was due to COVID, but still. But we're starting to get some interesting stuff released over the next few months. So hopefully the next four months of the year, we can pull it out of the bag and really get some good games. But that means I'm going to have to try and play everything in four months, which is going to be harsh. But I don't want my top 10 of the year to be like, well, there's these five really good games and then these two that are rubbish. You know, it's like, hmm, not going to work. But yeah, CGE, good on you, mate. You know, Under Falling Skies and Lost Ruins of Arnak. Check these out. Find out more. Consider getting them for yourself when they do come out. But yeah, I mean, I don't know if they've got anything else coming out this year. I don't think they do, but this is solid. I think that this could be the year for CGE and fair play to them if they do. So yeah, that is the CGE play. So that is my experience with the Virtually Games Expo. Again, I just don't really go mad for it. And I'm not a big virtual convention fan. I look forward to playing face-to-face -face with all of you. And I'm already doing that at my Dice Cafe. The last month, I've been playing extended times at our local game cafe, Dice Portsmouth, because of the government scheme, which meant that we got 50% off our food when eating in. So I've milked that for all it's worth. Unfortunately, it ends tomorrow. Dice Cafe is not open tomorrow. And the but friends of mine are going out for a curry to milk that government scheme for what it's worth on the last day. But yeah, sadly, no more of that at Dice. But I'm still going to be there every Wednesday playing in my game club as normal. And I've got all these games to try. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Like, I mean, this Wednesday, I'm expecting more people to turn up, actually. And there's going to be at least six of us. So you know, five or six of us. So I think I might want to get a small World of Warcraft out again. Um, I mean, I've been enjoying it. I've already recorded the review of it. So I've already given it some plays and, you know, I'm not going to spoil what I think of it. But yeah, I think I'll bring it to the club again because uh, I think they'll enjoy that actually, five or six players. But yeah, wow, 50 minutes. This podcast went on a bit longer than I thought. Uh, oh, well, that's me in the nutshell, isn't it? I just don't know when to stop. Well, I'm going to stop now. So yeah, Thank you for that. So like I say, check out those two videos if you like it. Check out the rest of my content on my channel, the folded space inserts, the top 100 BGG streams, the reviews that I'm going to put out soon. Please check them out, like them, share them, you know, talk about them on Facebook, Twitter, get them out there, get the exposure. Hope you've been enjoying the promotions that I've been doing on the end of my videos where I've uh, been talking about you know, different channels. I hope you've been liking those because uh, they've been appreciative. I've seen some subscriber boosts with them and I'm glad for that. So that's pretty cool. And there'll hopefully be some more stuff soon. Uh, trying to think if there's anything else to mention really. Uh, oh yeah, forgot to mention. Uh, thank you to, uh, I think it was called the uh, Shelf Clutter uh, who shared a giveaway uh, hashtag treat your shelf 
um, uh, Quackalope started it. It went to Shelf Clutter and then it got passed to me on one of his videos. I think I made a big deal of it on my Facebook and Twitter page. Thank you again for that. My subscribers, I think I ended up with an extra 200 and something subscribers as a result of that hashtag. So it was a nice boost to get on the channel lately because it had been pretty stagnant for a while. And uh, hopefully I'll get a chance to pass the torch on. Hmm. I'm in discussions with Asmodee to try and get a giveaway copy of a board game. I don't know what game yet, but basically something to give away in a competition. And I hope to pass that uh, treat yourself hashtag on to some channels that I think you should consider subscribing to. So that will be pretty good. But I'm still waiting for word back on what game to give away because I currently don't have anything at the moment to give away. And to be honest, this is a bit lame to give away just a copy of Deckscape. But yeah, hopefully we'll have something on that soon. On top of that... So anything else I can think of? Not to my knowledge. Uh, anything I can think of? No. Oh, yes. Yes. Important. I've entered a partnership with Zatu Games from the UK. Now, I say partnership. This is basically, you know, they have given me a code, a coupon code to use with their website. Um, and with this coupon code, if you go to their checkout and you go on to add a coupon or whatever it is, use this code, it will give you 5% off what you purchase and there is no minimum spend. You don't have to spend £50, you don't have to buy free games to qualify, you just use the checkout code and it will work. So let's see if I can very quickly find the code for you so that you are aware of it. TBMeeple5, so T-B-M-E-E-P-L-E-5 Type that into the checkout when you get there and you will find the, you get 5% off. And I'm going to put this in the description of my videos going forward. I've even put a few in there already. I may do a promotional video for it, you know, a proper video where I do a bit of advertising for it. Now, this is not dependent on me reviewing games for them and saying, oh, this is good. They're, you know, I'm getting some, you know, compensation for this, for, you know, getting some cheaper games from them, but I already buy a few games from Zatu, so that's nothing new. But, you know, this is not going to influence, you know, me saying, oh, you know, Zatu is the best board game website out there and stuff. You know, you know what I'm like. I say you should visit whoever you fancy. Um, Zatu is a good game site, but there are lots of other board game sites available. You know, other sites are available. And I just urge you to think of who gives you the best service, who gives you good prices, who gives you a good selection on board games, and make your purchasing decision by that. But Maybe this will help you if you decide to shop with Zatu Games. You'll get a little bit of an extra bonus out of it. So uh, that's it for that. So yeah, I'm going to wrap up this podcast now and uh, move on and get this one edited and uploaded. I mean, 53 minutes, this is already pretty long, but then I'm doing this every two weeks now. So I guess I owe you a longer podcast at that time. So take care. Have fun. My voice is going coffee's getting cold i need dinner i need to go to the gym need to edit oh my god so much to do hopefully you're having a good time out there though thank you for supporting the channel and i'll see you on the next podcast and remember as always it's only a game take care love you all bye bye